Good morning. It's good to be again uh, together this morning. And as we uh, look at a future next maybe four Sundays, we have a new sermon series. We just finished with uh, the story of Abraham. And we are going to start this new sermon series for the next four weeks called 3043, which means praying 30 days for three people. And um, we are not going to do this alone. There are about 19 churches in a group of churches that in this area we call classes. And most of those churches have decided to do this together. And they put together a sermon series and Pastor Ron worked on the, on the sermon side. And there were others who worked on a devotional for 30 days. You can get your devotional via email. You can get it as a text message on your mobile device. Or you can get it uh, in a print edition too. So that's a, a, a website, onefaithmanyfaces.org, and then forward slash 343, where you can go and get your devotional. And what's interesting is that as we do this together, we are going to basically join our forces, and as we bend our knees, we will ask the Lord to bless our city. We will ask the Lord to bless us to be able to be His hands and feet to those that are far away. It's a joy for us to be inside the church. But what we want to do in the next 30 days is to pray for those who are outside, the outsiders, the outcast, the unconnected, the unchurched, those who still need Christ one way or another. Maybe they were at some point in the church, but now they are far away. Maybe they were baptized as infants, but now maybe they are far away from Christ and from church. So that's what we are going to do for the next four Sundays. And um, today we are going to focus our attention on the first and maybe the most, uh, the, the, the first step in this process of, pray, of, of praying and basically saying, you know, there's no passion. There's no way we will talk to people about God unless we first talk to God about the people. And how do we talk to God about the people? We go to Him in prayer. So we are looking this morning at this uh, letter of Paul to Colossians at four verses in chapter 4. It's towards the end. It's an interesting thing because this church is in today's Turkey. It was in today's Turkey, right? In Asia Minor in that time. And Colossae was a city where Paul has never planted the church himself. If you look closer, uh, the Colossae is not far from Ephesus and Laodicea. And basically Paul in this letter, he says, make sure that once you read the letter to you, Colossae, Colossians, make sure you give the letter to those in Laodicea so that they will read and bring their letter and read it in yours. So basically make sure that you read this Letters as God's, the apostolic truth for you. Well, the church in Colossae was planted by Epaphras, who may have been converted by Paul, one of his disciples in Ephesus, but he was from Colossae. So he came back in Colossae and planted this church. And towards the end of this letter, as usually Paul does, you know, he starts in the beginning of every letter almost saying, I always give thanks in my prayers for you, I always mention and remember you in my prayers. You are part of my prayers. And that's how he starts the letter. But toward the end of the letter, Paul 
challenges them and challenging us and says, now it's your turn to pray. Now that you have become part of this new humanity, new kingdom of the church, now you have a duty to pray. And Paul says the same thing. And just follow with me a few verses. This is what he tells them. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim. To, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. For which I am in chains. Pray that I might pro, I proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise. Be wise. Sorry. Skip one. In the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Four verses that are so powerful that if you want to put them in a nutshell, basically Paul says, continue steadfastly. In prayer continue being watchful in it with thanksgiving so three things two a little bit longer I will spend more time at one very short at the end first he said devote yourselves to prayer if there's any devotion in your life it should be to prayer if there's any loyalty that you have to Christ it should be to prayer devote yourself to prayer being watchful and thankful the first thing that you think about is that God blesses the praying church it was always those people that prayed that were blessed. Remember, just a few days after Jesus went back to heaven, the apostles, they were urged by Christ. They said, make sure you stay in prayer. And they prayed, and that's when the Holy Spirit came. That's when Peter stood up in the day of the Pentecost, and he preached. Because they were praying. They were praying. And too many of us, the truth is that we pray only occasionally or only when we are in a crisis. And when we pray in a crisis, basically somebody said that even the atheists pray in a crisis. They say, oh my God, help me, right? When you are in a crisis, even if you are an atheist, you say, oh my God, help me. And that's a form of prayer. Basically, you acknowledge that somebody else can control things better than you. That's why Paul says, devote yourself to prayers. The same word used for soldiers in the army to be lawyer to their captain or to their general. When you choose somebody lawyer, you choose when you enlist in the military, you want to be lawyer. And Paul says, be devoted yourself to prayer. Prayer, in other words, devoted prayer or prayer without ceasing, basically, is nothing else than praying as you breathe, you know. It should be as normal to us praying as we breathe, you know. To live, to live, to survive, you need to breathe. You take air in and let it go out. And Paul says the same thing should be with our prayer. If you want to be spiritually clear, spiritually powerful, spiritually alive, then you need to pray. You let God's word come in and you let your prayers go out. And sometimes you take God's word and you pray. You pray the Psalms, right? The apostles, that's what the early church did. The apostles devoted themselves to the disciples, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That was their passion. Four things, but one of them was prayer. They were devoting themselves to prayer. And then there are two qualifiers that Paul uses. The first one, he says, as you devote yourself to prayer, being watchful, he said, being watchful. Watch and pray is something that throughout the Bible is used, and especially in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, uh, during his time, he was rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And they had many enemies that didn't want that. They were still half of them, maybe, or more in exile. And some of them came back and they said, Jerusalem is in ruin. They had to build it with one, with one hand holding the hammer and the other one the sword. And Nehemiah said, that's how you will work. That's how you, because there are so many enemies. So watch and pray. The same thing Jesus says, if you want to be devoted to me, basically in the Gethsemane garden at the end of his life. He said to the disciples, can you watch and pray with me for one hour? And three times he does this, for three times, three hours. And they always fall asleep, the disciples, like many of us do today, right? It's so tough. Prayer is not an easy thing, but once you get a hang of it, right? And we always grow in this. We always grow in knowing how to watch and how to pray. We are always in this process. It's not easy, but Jesus says, watch and pray. Be on guard. In other words, he says, make sure that you are alert all the time. And devote yourselves because you must not quit. Do not quit. If there is a message that Paul wants to say to us, is this one. Being watchful means do not quit. Always keep an eye. Always make sure that spiritually you are aware of what's happening and you involve God in your life. But then he uses the, the second qualifier and he said, be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness is always part of our prayers. You know, if we always ask God, give me this, give me that, and never thank Him, we are kind of selfish, right? So we have to go back and say thank you. And in fact, because Paul is so much uh, interested in the Colossians being thankful, this letter becomes one of the most thankful documents in the New Testament. It's one of those documents that basically tells us, you know what, when you go to God in prayer, just remember you are always beggars. He is like the sovereign Lord. And there's nothing we can do but just beg Him, plead with Him, pray to Him, and ask Him to come, ask Him to show up, ask Him to turn His face towards our needs. And that's why we always, when we sense His presence, when He is coming, when He shows up, we always say thank you. And basically Paul says, make sure that you are thankful. But you see, what's interesting with Paul is, he is in prison in Rome. He writes this letter to Colossians, which is in today's Turkey. They are free people, but Paul is in chains. And he never says, now pray that I will be free, right? Paul does not pray for his liberation, but for something else. For power to witness. For doors to be open. I like what uh, this uh, writer, and if you want to read more about prayer, E.M. Bounds wrote a lot. And he said, is, the most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. The most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. We must pray that our prayers take hold of God. You see, when we pray, we not only engage God in the heavenly realms, 
But then we also work with the second realm, with the angels. They are engaged. Remember when Daniel prays? There is a war in the spiritual realms between angels, archangels, and the, and the forces of darkness. And then we also make sure that our prayers affect our daily life. So it's God who is the highest spiritual being, then the angels, and then humanity, our world. And things happen here because things are moved by God who is sovereign and controls everything. And He uses our prayers to push His purposes forward, to bless His church, to build His kingdom, to expand it. And He uses us and our prayers, our knees, in that plan of salvation. There was, there was this young man. His name was Gus. And Gus was one of the three siblings. And two of his younger siblings... He was the oldest, uh, turned to Christ along with his mother, but he followed in the step of his father who was basically rejecting Christ and the church. And Gus, during his high school and college years, he uh, hang out with the wrong people, with the wrong crowd. He started to steal just for the fun of it. With his friends, they were womanizers. He went to bed with as many women as he could. His mother was so afraid that he is not going to turn to God that she started to pray for him. And one time she went to her pastor and said, What do I do with Gus? The other siblings are following Christ, but he is departing from Christ. He goes further and further. And the pastor said, Make sure you do not stop praying. There's nothing you can do but keep on banging at the door of heaven for his salvation. He went to the graduate school, and after that, he became a professor in the communication arts and sciences. And as he went from university to university to teach, his mother followed him because she said, I want to be still an influence. I want to be involved. I want to still remind him that God loves him. And as she followed him, he was departing more and more from God. In one city, though, he heard that there is a preacher who is very eloquent. And because he was trained in, in rhetoric and science, he said, I'm going to listen to him for the sake of his language. Definitely wasn't me, right? But so, <clears throat> could be hillside though. But so he went to that preacher, listen, just for the sake of language, eloquence. And he loved it. And then he said, I'm going to read the Bible, not because I believe in it, but because I want to study and see what's in it. And he started to read the Bible. And God started to use those things in his life. His mother was still praying for him. And one day his heart broke. And he started to see Jesus in a different way. And he started to love Jesus. And then because of his skills and education, he not only was converted to Christianity, but he became one of the leaders of the church. His mother said, let's move into our town again. But she died two years later, two, two weeks later. But she was so happy that God listened to her prayers, many, many prayers. She said, I can be happy because you now know Christ. Do you know who that God was? Augustine of Hippo. He became one of the, the greatest saints of, and, and theologians of our church. And if you look through history, in the, in the first thousand years, there is no other bigger name than Augustine. And he is the guy who also said, you have made us, O Lord, for yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. If you want to read the book of Confessions, his Confession is one of the unequal, unparalleled books 
in the history of humanity about how he lived in sin and how he found God. And what does it mean when you are transformed from the inside? And all of those things were a result of his mother praying for him. The apostle says, devote yourselves to prayer. It means be loyal. Do not quit. 17 years, Monica, his mom, prayed for him. And I know that you too have testimonies of how God worked in your life. And some of you have exactly 17 years of praying for a prodigal son or daughter. But the Apostle Paul tells us this morning, do not quit. Don't give up. Keep praying. The second thing he says that pray that God will open doors for our message, for my message. Pray that there will be open doors. I need open doors, Paul says. He doesn't say take the shackles, take the chains. Basically, he says, I'm writing this because I'm in chains for Christ. But make sure that you pray for open doors for our message. Even while I'm in chains, it doesn't matter. Imprisonment, it wasn't the first time. He's imprisoned about three times. But imprisonment never stopped him from preaching the gospel. And sometimes he'll say, prayed that there's a door, the door for mission in a city or in a country. And many times you find, especially in the book of Acts, that the the door is open. Sometimes it's the door of faith, and especially with Paul, so that the Gentiles might believe. And that's why we pray for these three people, that the door of faith will be open. Sometimes you pray, and Paul says, pray that opening of the eyes, that God, the Spirit, will open their eyes. People live in a fog, in a spiritual fog. And then he says, open the mind. Many times he says, so that people can understand. And all the time, Paul prays for his Christians, for his fellow brothers. says, I pray that your understanding of God and experience of God will be deeper. And then finally he says, opening of the heart. Remember, Lydia was one of those skilled ladies in trade of purple. And... uh, the Lord opened her heart and she became one of the charter members in that city because her heart was opened to the gospel. Open doors, open doors, open hearts, open minds. Do you see that open doors are opportunities? Later on, Paul says in the same verse, make sure that you take advantage of every opportunity that the Lord gives you. We have so many open doors and opportunities. Let me just list you some. And if you don't see yours, don't be offended. I just put some. You know, years ago, we started with a townline. This is a community not far from us. Kids Life Bible Club. We call now Townline Bible Club. A townline for over 20 years, Eleanor Verberg and a few other ladies are leading. Now they have 25 students. They just started. After school program. Teaching the Bible in school. The principal from Townline moved this year to another school. Do you know what she said the first, the first few weeks there? She said, we need a Townline Bible Club. We need a Bible Club in this school too. Can somebody lead it here too? Then we have Kids Hope, right? And Maxime Hasmali. This has basically mentors, mentoring kids, having these open doors in a public school to meet with kids who need help. And then you have, right? Streams of Hope, Community Christian Development Association. We just had a fundraising this past Thursday. And what a powerful testimony there of God's grace. Opening the eyes of a corrupt cop who framed a black African-American. 
And then they become friends by God's grace and by the power of forgiveness. Open doors for us to go. Young Lives at East Kenwood High School. Young Lives is an offshoot of Young Life. It basically talks about moms who are still in high schools, helping them survive, helping them finish high school, helping them make ends meet. And then maybe remember Kirk is our wrestling coach. He is the strong staff member. And he teaches kids just because he wants to engage them at Valleywood. And if you think we have opportunities here, right? We have Zumba here on Thursday. We have the golf league at Stonewater. We engage with people, right? We have the golf coming up in February. But also we have other ministries for people that need to grow in their faith so that they can pray for others. And it's Eve gathering, right? Moms connect. I didn't mention everything. Women in the ward, men's ministry. There are so many things, right? And then on Tuesday, we have God questions. Remember that guy with questions? We come together, we eat, we have fun eating, but then we also defend our faith and let people ask difficult questions. And then, of course, we nurture kids, right? We nurture kids and downwards with kids, you know, Hillside Kids, with Fusion Middle School and Eric with High School. All of these things are opportunities right here in our midst. And what about Cuba? It's a closed country. It's illegal to go in Cuba as an American without a reason. And through Win Greeter and all of these things, we have a Christian Reformed Church there. It's a denomination. And it's a beautiful thing to see how people go there from our church. For years they have gone there. And the music there, it's fantastic in their churches because they came to Hillside and said, we want to learn to worship God like you do. And we send instruments and musicians. And do you know that this year, nine churches did Alpha there, which is basically like God questions or just basically nine churches in Cuba. Some of them had two sessions because they say, we want to, to tell the gospel. We want to spread out. And by the way, if you want to go, the ESL is coming in January. The Music Academy is in June. And make sure you connect with Win. And God opened the doors, right? We have so many missionaries, but I will just mention one family in Uganda. They live in Congo because it's safer. They cross the border in Uganda, and they empower women, the corns, Micah and Bessie. They empower women. They work with the Dantra. They work with orphans and single moms and those who need help just to barely make it to survive. Open doors, right? That's what we need. I remember um, there was this summer, I prayed for... Um, for God to open doors in my life too. And uh, I was at the Synod, CRC Synod, and uh, in a few days I was supposed to go to Romania. And somebody sent me a text. He said, you know, you can use Uber, whatever, sign up here or something. So I started to sign up at Uber. And the first day of the Synod is just registration and stuff like that. And they'd send me uh, a note, say, yeah, you are approved now. At 9 o'clock we are done. There's an ice cream social. I say, I'm not going to the social, but I will try Uber, you know. I just felt, I said, who knows, I... I, I will need Uber in Europe. I, I was thinking in a few days I will never have a chance. So I, I, as I drive home, I click yes or something like that. I don't even know what I'm doing, right? So I drive down on 28th Street by the Woodland Mall. Somebody rings me and says, well, I need the car. So I go, I pick up the guy and say, you know, this is my first time. What do I do? He shows me things. And then he said, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. And why do you do Uber? I said, I'm going in Europe in a week. So I just wanted to know how to use it. And I said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, ask me a question. And I was praying that you know, if I can, I will witness. And he says, you know what? I've been struggling with all of these things. And I think that Obama is the last president. And should I be ready if the end of the world comes? And I said, I don't know if Obama was there, but you should be ready anyway. What do you think about that? He said, yes. 
And then he said, you know what? I've been fasting with a friend two, two weeks and a half. I said, what did you do? He said, I drank only water. And I know that there is a God. But I'm not sure if, if it's the God of the Bible. And he said, by the way, I love my things, you know. I love to sin and live in sin. I said, well, you know a lot of things, you know. And, he, and I said, you know, I, I don't feel like the, the, the God of the Bible will accept me. And I said, you don't have to clean up your life. You don't have to save yourself. Can you, can you understand that save, that, that means grace? Christianity is about grace? And I talked to him about grace. And at the end, we prayed. And he left. And as he left the door, he opened the door. He looked at me and said, if I don't see you here, brother, I will see you in heaven. And I was so happy. I said, thank you, Lord Jesus. The first time I used it, I never used it in Europe, but no. That was my one time. But I said, you know what? <laughs> yeah. And finally, it says, you know, Paul says, you never know when, uh, when you have to open the mystery. Our message is this mystery of Christ. And he, he comes to us as a mystery. The message is the mystery of Christ. There's nothing else we can teach people but Christ. They don't need anything else but Christ. So if you're not a committed disciple of Christ, today is your day. And you say, I want to understand this mystery too. I want to experience His grace too. So remember these things. Devote yourself to prayer. Pray that God will open doors. And remember that our message is Jesus. Jesus who is with us. Who is for us. Who transforms our lives. We are so eager to pray for others when they are sick. And last night, our family experienced that. Zea is okay, our family is okay, but she was in an accident on 68th Street, just coming out from our, our road. And it was bad. A neighbor came, a friend of ours, knocked at my door and said, Zea was in an accident, the ambulance is there, and she's in and out. When I heard she's in and out, I was scared, right? I was running there, I saw the car, it was totally wrecked, and she was on a stretcher, not yet all fully out of the car. And she had the neck support, and there was blood in the car and stuff like that. Everybody was okay, but Zea. And, you know, the, they, they say, well, she's just mumbling and she says some nonsense. And we think that she, we don't know. So they took her to the hospital. Felicia went there. And she said, is, he, is she in a critical condition, life-threatening? And they said, she could be. We don't know. So I went there to the hospital. I, I arrived later. She was at a, a CAT scan and an MRI. And I felt so powerless, so helpless. I, I felt that I, there's nothing I can do. She came back in, this, in the room, in, in, in that bed, right? And she fell asleep right away. And they said, wait about an hour for the results. And we were waiting there, and David was there. I even as I left, I left my phone at home. I said, David, do you mind reading some psalms? And he started to read psalms, and we prayed. And the only thing I could do, I could think of, was praying. And Felicia was texting friends, would you mind praying for us? But you see, we prayed and God, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with her. She just has some hematomas, but there's no a concussion, but there's no brain injury. Thanks be to God, no broken bones. But my, po my point is, do you see how God teaches us? He kind of taught me a lesson to you. Do you see how willing we are to say, pray for this physical thing? But do you care about the spiritual lives of the people? And he says the same thing to us. Make sure you text your friends. Pray for your friends who are going to hell because they need christ there is no hope without him pray and ask others to pray and that's what we do this is our only mission this morning our only mission is this that you will pray and you will write the first name of three people 
three people that come first to mind. And there are some cards in front of your seats. And if they are not enough, just write on the prayer cards. And please do it right now. And then you will pray 30 days for these people. And if you want the devotional, it's right there. And Steve is going to sing as we do that. And the, shepherd, the service leaders are going to collect them at the end. But make sure that you do that. Three names that come to your mind. If you come up only with one, that's still a success thing. Take that card and say, I want God's grace in this person's life. As we uh, leave this place, make sure that you remember what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Could you please stand and receive the blessing of the Lord? We are going to put a um, prayer, um, the names that you pray for in, in one spot, and the prayer team is going to work with that. And we are going to join you to pray for those people that you want God's love to reach out to them. As you go from this place, may you remember that the Spirit of the Lord is with you, that the face of the Lord shines upon you, and that the love of Christ conquers hearts today. You may go in peace. Amen.